What's going on, 11 o'clock? How are we doing? Man, that's just amazing worship, isn't it? We get together like that. I am so thankful for our worship team, just the talents that they share with us. Yeah, that's okay. My name is Greg Swords. Um, this is my wife, Tammy. And last week, we celebrated our 30th anniversary. Which really just means Tammy's really patient. Um, that's all. Um, actually, since, um, since I spoke last time and shared a little bit of our story, we have had our second grandbaby. So we're kind of killing it as grandparents. Um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, just this, uh, this service. This whole weekend has been amazing. Um, what David and Michelle shared last week, I was so grateful for. Um, just they spoke about authority and influence and whose authority we're under and the commitment that we have to Jesus Christ um, when we are under his authority. Uh, had a lot of things resonate with me, and, and I hope you did too. Um, they spoke about some really practical things, uh, great, gave us some great takeaways, and we hope to do that um, in this service as well, just give you something that you can put into practice right away. Um, we're not going to give you anything probably brand new. Um, most everything that we'll share with you today, you've maybe heard before. Um, but we need to put those things into practice. Are you with me? All right. Okay, so here we go. Family is so important to us. I'm really passionate about my family. We have three kids, Kelsey, Tyler, and Chad. They're 28, 26, and 24 now. And our last one to get married will be happening in October. Um, and so they're all building their own families and kind of um, making their own traditions and kind of going that direction. Um, so that kind of changes our roles. We've, we're moving from the role of parenting into grandparenting. Um, and grand, being a grandma is really the very, very best thing that ever has happened to me. Um, yes. <laughs> when my daughter was pregnant and I would tell people, I'm, I'm about to be a grandma, and grandparents would say to me, oh, it's the greatest thing. You're just going to love it. It's amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure it is. But let me tell you, it is amazing. It is the most wonderful thing and just a really amazing gift from God. I'm super excited about this, this new season that we're moving into. So as your kids grow, um, your role as their parent changes, but you still are always their parent. And they still always need your, your ear and your guidance and your instruction and your prayer. And as old as I am, and I'm not going to share that number with you all today, um, I still call my mom. She's a wonderful, godly woman, and she gives me advice, and she gives, you know, I, I glean from her knowledge and her wisdom, and, and every once in a while, I still need a recipe or something from her, so I'm really thankful that she still pours into my life as well. And I really love the age that our kids are now. They're all adults, and we have amazing, um, interesting, thought-provoking conversations with them, and we've worked hard, all of us, to kind of cultivate an, an environment where they have the freedom to share their hearts, and we have the freedom to share ours, and, and sometimes we disagree or don't exactly see everything the same, but, but we respect each other, and, and we have a real open relationship, and we do a lot of sharing, and I absolutely love that um, about my kids right now. Um, I'm still the one they call in a crisis, um, mostly Kelsey calls me in a crisis. She's got two babies now, 20-month-old and a two-and-a-half-week-old. And I get the calls um, often, Mom, what do I do with this? And what do you think of that? And we had a terrible night last night, and I think the baby's got gas. I don't really know what to do. <laughs> you know? And uh, my son-in-law said, you know, how do you raise two kids at one time? 
How is that even possible? So they're kind of navigating that, and it's been really fun to watch them in that role. When Kelsey um, was going to become a mom last year, she said to me, Mom, I think we should get a tattoo together. And I said, why? <laughs> what? And she said, well, it would signify the beautiful gift of being a mom together with you. We're, we're moms now together. And, and it would also remind us of where we'd come for in the last few years, a few years ago, Kelsey and I went through a really dark time in our relationship. Our relationship was completely broken, and it was sad, and it was heartbreaking. And thank God, he has restored us. He has brought us back around. He has made our relationship more whole and more beautiful than I ever could have thought that he could do and more beautiful than it ever was before. And so when she said that our tattoo would represent that as well, I was like, okay, I'll put a tattoo anywhere of anything that you want to because it just would speak so much truth to me. So we both share a, a tattoo on this spot in our arm, and it's just a reminder to me every time I look at it of God's faithfulness and his goodness and his restoration and, and the way that he wants to redeem our relationships and our lives. So I've been excited to hear these teachings throughout this series the last few weeks on the family because I told you I'm super passionate about our family. Um, I love what Sherry Cor Corey shared a couple of weeks ago about um, the individual roles that, you know, of the family that God designed, like, you know, the husband, the wife, the kids, the aunts, uncles, grandparents, all of these roles. Um, he purposed for each of us to fulfill the role that he put us in. And if you haven't watched that message or, or you weren't here to hear it, you can still go online, and I would encourage you. It has a lot of good things in there for young to old alike. It was very, very good. So here we go. I think we can all agree that the family has so much going against it culturally nowadays. Um, it's breaking down before our very eyes, and we have to be the generation that says, whoa, stop, enough is enough. We are not just going to accept the status quo. We're not going to accept that the family's breaking down, and we're not going to do anything about it. So we really need to step up, people, our generation, the one after us, to say, we are going to reclaim the family as God designed for it to be, and I want to be a part of that system. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. Uh, Tammy and I are going to be discussing this, this younger generation and guys and girls and their roles and um, how we build relationships through what seems to, uh, to be like these incredible generational gaps. Um, relationships with each other, relationships with our parents, uh, our friends, uh, the opposite sex and what that should look like. I read the book a few years ago, The Greatest Generation by Tom Brokaw, and I uh, frankly, I agree with a lot of the things he said. That was a great generation, that generation born in between 1910 and 1924. Um, but I also uh, want us to understand that I don't think it, gets, it gives credence to the generations that are coming after, um, after us. Um, I think that the generation that comes after us uh, has the potential to be a great generation. Um, and I, and I, want that, uh, I want that to be so. Um, I, I, I understand and I see uh, each and every day that this generation is intelligent, they're innovative, they're creative. Um, I work with a bunch of men and women who are much younger than I, um, and I am constantly impressed uh, by, um, by them. I, I long to see this generation um, that would recklessly follow um, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to love him, to know him, and to make him known a generation that is completely, unequivocally, and recklessly following Jesus Christ. 
I believe that, my friends, would be the greatest generation. That would be a generation, would you agree, that would change the world? Um, that's what I want to see. So we've seen and we're continuing to see the destruction of the family. Manhood has been diminished and our roles as women have become increasingly difficult to navigate. Parents aren't respected by their children anymore and the communication between um, teenagers and their parents has completely shut down. Rarely do we have face-to-face -face conversations anymore. That's kind of become the norm. Um, and I'm afraid the cell phone has had a lot probably to do with that. Um, we as parents have sometimes failed our kids in teaching them how to date and how to honor God in dating relationships and how to keep um, their relationships pure and holy and, and godly. We look more to culture for what is normal or what is right or for the way that things should be. And that is proving to be disastrous. We desperately need a fresh, godly perspective in all of our relationships as husbands and wives and as parents and children and as siblings and as mentors and teachers and all of the relationships and all the hats that we wear. We desperately need a godly perspective to, to change the shift and go a different direction. So that speaks to experience. I think a lot of, of that speaks to experience. You, you can't really teach experience. I mean, just by definition, experience has to be experienced. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's not just a nice, cute little saying. Um, unless you've experienced something, um, there's really no way uh, to describe it. A few years ago, Tammy and I went skydiving. Here's a picture of uh, both of us. And I really like uh, Tammy's, Tammy's guy. He's got dreads like flying up behind him. And uh, my picture, you can't tell where my hair ends and his beard begins. It's, uh, it's kind of funny, actually. But you see, I could tell you um, about that experience. I could tell you uh, about this great rush of, of getting on all of these, uh, the, the parachute and all the straps and the things and going up in this airplane. I could tell you about jumping out of a perfectly good airplane at 14,000 feet and the rush of adrenaline and the, the question as to why am I doing this and how that, <laughs> how that just affects you, you know, and your brain just kind of turns to mush because it's never experienced anything like that. I could tell you all of these things, what it feels like to travel 140 miles an hour just plummeting to earth. I could explain all this, but unless you've experienced it, you really won't know what I'm talking about. How many of you have been skydiving before? Anybody? Oh, okay, a few of us. So we can, ex we can experience things or we can kind of learn from people who is, who've experienced things. When I was 23 years old, I kind of thought I had the world by the tail. If I'm really transparent with you, um, I was this arrogant punk. And I thought I knew everything, and frankly, I thought I could do it better than most people even around me, especially my dad. And when I was younger, I, I, I certainly didn't know then what I do now. And I, I learned a, a, a saying, I don't remember where I learned it from, but um, it goes something like this. When I was 13, it was, <clears throat> I was amazed at how little my father knew. He just seemed kind of dumb. But when I was 23, I was amazed at how much he had learned. <laughs> do you catch that? Guys, the truth is, all of us have some growing up to do. I, I still have some growing up to do. And there are those who've experienced things along this journey called life that we can learn from and we can glean from. And, and there are issues that they've been through. They've had high highs, maybe in some low lows, and they can navigate those, and, and they can teach us a little bit, and we can glean from them. Now, now we're going to talk about some of those things, but newsflash, like Tammy and I don't have all the answers. 
okay? So let's just, let's get that out of the way right there. We don't have every, what we do have is a certain set of skills and experiences that we can share with you, and hopefully some takeaways um, that you can um, take with you this afternoon and uh, put into practice right away. So let's just plan on learning a little bit together. Is that okay? So I know there are some hot issues that we could discuss regarding family dynamics and communications and relationships. Um, so we're going to try to address some of those issues today, but first we want to set a foundation for where we're heading. So there's a little song out there that maybe some of you know. We're going to sing it for you, and if you know it, we would appreciate you singing along. So, you ready? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You guys don't know that song? How many, how many know that song? Who well, you weren't singing. <laughs> they just hung us out there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so we're going to talk about be careful, little eyes, what you see. And there's two other verses that we're not going to sing for you. Be careful, little lips, what you say. And be careful, little feet, where you go. So we're going to look at this little song, and we're going to see the value in it. Um, whether you learned it as a child or you've never heard it before, um, it's really full of some solid practical advice that we're going to touch on, and we're going to look at its application for today. I think that song kind of incorporates the whole person, does it not? Um, I don't know that it was taken from uh, Proverbs 4, 24, but I, I, we're going to read that in just a minute, and you'll see the value of that. Because I think we're, as talking about the whole person, our eyes, our lips, our feet, and talking about this whole, whole person, we have this tendency, I think, um, as humans to compartmentalize our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, compartmentalization is an enemy. God isn't interested in our compartmentalization. I believe too often we have this, we have our work life, and we have our play life, and we have our, our uh, family life, and we have our church life, and we have all these different lives, and they don't intersect anywhere. And, and as Christians, our lives, our entire lives, are meant to be completely devoted to Jesus Christ. And they're supposed to intersect everywhere. Compartmentalization is an enemy for you and me. We can't be one thing in one area of our lives and a complete other thing in another area. Matthew 6, through 23 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then I believe kind of maybe where this song came from, Proverbs 4, 24 through 26, says, Keep your mouth free of perversity, Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Okay, so here we go. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. I really like the way that verse says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you get the picture there? There's something different about throwing off instead of just, mm, maybe I ought to lay that down. 
Um, it's not something we're nonchalant about. Throwing off looks so much different. It's so, it's got, it takes an effort and it takes a decision and you have to purpose to throw off out of your life the things that aren't good for you and that keep you from having a relationship with Jesus. We need to do that on purpose. We need to do practical things that will make a difference in our everyday life. We need to watch what we see. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Matthew 6, 22. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Corey uh, mentioned a staggering fact. That porn is a $13 billion industry. That's a problem. Guys, we cannot continue to look at porn and wonder why we objectify women. We can't continue to look at pornography and wonder why our relationships, our relationships are crumbling. We can't continue to look at pornography and wonder why our marriage is in the toilet. We can't continue to look at pornography and wonder all of these things and just keep rationalizing our behavior and going back to it over and over and over again and thinking that's not gonna affect our lives. There are countless statistics of the adverse effects on pornography and our minds and our bodies, serious effects, that, that we think that they're just not hurting us or they're not hurting anybody else. And we just keep going back to it and rationalizing. We have got to get to the point where sin is no longer an option for the believer. I mean, I'm filtering here. I, I think, listen, we have got to get to the point where maybe porn isn't even the issue. Are you with me? Maybe, because if, if porn is an issue, then gossip is an issue. If gossip is an issue, then an affair is an issue. If an affair is an issue, then alcohol. No, 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 no. That's not the, the issue is sin. See, sin is the issue. The issue isn't the symptom. Those are just symptoms of a sin issue, but we don't want to talk about that. We want to rationalize that away because we're too afraid of repentance. And repentance is to say that I'm no longer heading this direction. I'm going to go this direction. It's I'm not sorry, but I'm sorry enough to quit and go another direction. Are you with me? All right, I'll get off my soapbox for a minute. Okay, ladies, and this topic isn't just for the men either. We usually just push it off on them because men are more visually stimulated than we are, and we're more aware of it being their problem. That's a guy problem. But this is a problem for us as well. I have some statistics. Stats. I have not gotten that right. One time. Statistics. According to, a, according to a study published in the Journal of Adolescent Research, about half, 49% of young adult women, agree that viewing pornography is an acceptable way of expressing one's sexuality. I mean, does that sound like it's just a problem for men to you? And do we look at books and we watch movies and we look at magazines and we wonder why we don't measure up to those people in the magazines and books and movies and, and we wonder why that affects our self-esteem and why we just feel like we're not, we're not good enough or we're not pretty enough or we're not sexy enough or whatever it is, we're just not enough because of the images that we continue to compare ourselves to. According to a survey of more than 11,000 college-age women, more than half of young women today are exposed to sexually explicit material by age 14. We have got to get a healthier idea of who we are and our beauty in who we are and our value in who we are in Jesus, not by comparing ourselves to all of the media that's available to us out there. 
The best way to do that is to just watch what we watch, watch what we let our eyes take in. So we kind of both got off on a little soapbox there. I think you understand the passion that we have for family and the passion that we have for men and women. But we probably need to move on to be careful, little lips, what you say. <clears throat> Another big one, right? <laughs> wow, this is, this is huge. Oh, be careful, little lips, what you say. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote uh, these words. The tongue is a restless evil, and no one can tame it. Man, I, I, there are some days in my life where... Um, I, I hit my hand uh, or my, my thumb with a hammer, and hallelujah, I got to tell you, it's not the first thing that comes out of my mouth. And I want to like post that verse and say, well, God, I'm sorry, no one can tame it. But the, the truth is, that's not an excuse, because you and I are supposed to live holy lives. We're supposed to be holy, right? We are also called to be holy. And Paul tells us in numerous books, I think nine of maybe the 13 books he wrote, he says that we are enabled enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christian, that lives within you to live a holy life, that we're supposed to be above that. And let's not forget, like, it's one of the big 10, right? In Exodus 20, you can find it. In Leviticus 19, 11, it says, do not lie, do not deceive uh, one another. Man, our words are very important. My word is very important to me because it represents who I am. My character is on display through my words. In Ephesians 4, 25 through 20, 29 says, since you put away lying, since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil, devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Well, I have this tendency to, like, speak before I think. Uh, maybe none of you are like me, but sometimes my, my mouth is in drive and my brain is in park. I, I just have this uncanny ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, but we have to be careful. That's not an excuse. We have to be careful with what we say. Oh, be careful, little lips, what we say, because our words have a much greater impact than we could ever imagine. You guys all know this, this saying that maybe you heard as a child, and it's the worst saying. The It's so false. It's such a lie, but we've heard it forever. Finish it for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's so untrue. That's just a lie. Words can heal, words can inspire, but words can destroy. And we need to give grace to those who hear because the effect and impact of your words and my words can last a lifetime. So we already told you that we raised three kids. We made it through the teenage years. Um, it was, they were good years, actually. And we opened our home on Sunday nights to um, a lot of kids, 50 or 60 probably over the years that we did a, a group with and, and just kind of tried to pour into them. And we learned a lot from those kids. And one thing that it really stands out in my mind is that um, we learned that kids that age, high schoolers, want to be brutally honest. And they will tell you anything if you have um, cultivated a space for them to do so and to feel free and open to share what's really going on in their lives and in their hearts. And so early on, 
we made a pact with each other to never look shocked by what our kids told us or what other kids would tell us, you know, like that deodorant commercial, never let them see you sweat. That just came back in my mind. <laughs> but we never wanted to let them see us be um, shocked. So we would listen and, and we would, um, you know, just keep a stone face or whatever. And then when we would get to bed later that night, we would be like, oh my gosh, can you believe what they said or what they did or what they're doing or whatever, you know? And we would kind of do our little um, meltdown back there, but never in front of the kids because we, what we learned was that if you act shocked by what kids tell you, then that automatically casts judgment on them and they feel condemned and they feel guilty and they feel full of shame. Um, and then also it tells them, well, my mom and dad can't handle the truth and what I'm gonna tell them, so I'm just not gonna tell them anymore. And they just shut down that line of communication and um, we spoke to Amanda Keener the youth pastor at this church and she said that's a hot topic of discussion among our, our teens here is the communication issue between them and their parents and them being able to be real and honest and transparent with them and I think that we as parents need to be the ones that they talk to they're going to talk to somebody they're going to pour out their heart to somebody and parents it should be you and you have to work really hard to cultivate an environment of safety and, and, and no judgment and openness um, and not that you don't teach and instruct and rebuke and correct and give guidance and, and kind of try to steer them the right direction, but timing is everything. If you, if you start right in with um, trying to correct them, they shut down and you need to really pray about what you need to say to them and ask the Lord for discernment and wisdom and timing and, and help me, God, to know what to say to this kid, you know, at, at the right time and in the right place with the right words. Um, and God will do that. So, um, I think that's all I have to say there. Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, how, I don't know how it got curled up there. It was bugging me. It was, see? I mean, let's just be real, right? Can we just be real? Man, that doesn't come easy, though, does it? What Tammy was just talking about. That doesn't come easy. Um, we have to create that space uh, to make that happen. Um, so the things that we're sharing today, not easy, but simple. So there's a difference between simple and easy. There's a big difference. Um, uh, I believe in, in quality time with our family. I, I believe that, that we have to make the effort you know, that's, that's not simple. That's not easy. Um, I believe we really have to make the effort to spend quality time with our families. So, so hear me when I say I believe in quality time. But also hear me when I say that you can't just say, well, we're spending an hour or we're going to spend 30 minutes of quality time with so-and-so or with our family, whether it be family, friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, and just say that's it. Because a lot of times quality time happens because you've spent enough quantity time with people. My... my um, I think there's, have you ever, well, let's say this. Have you ever been out um, and like this incredible, you had this incredible moment happen. You, you didn't plan for it. Maybe you're out with your boyfriend, girlfriend, a group of friends. You just, you're just having a good time. You didn't in, it really plan for this incredible moment, this, this God moment that he showed up or you just had this really neat moment together. You didn't plan for it, but it happened. Well, we've all had those moments. And the reason I believe is because we spent enough quantity time. Don't replace 
quantity with quality. Don't replace quality um, without doing the quantity time. I believe that quality time will be sparse if you don't spend enough quantity with those with whom you love. So one more little note while we're talking about communication. There's a verse in Scripture, Matthew 12, 34, that says, um, what is in the heart comes out of the mouth. The point is that we have to fill our hearts up with the good stuff, books that um, feed our spirits, music that does the same and changes the atmosphere in our home or in the car, and uh, conversation with other people that are following Jesus that help us on our journey. So if we just pour all these good things into our hearts, then those kind of things are what are going to come out of our mouth and, and affect the people that are around us. Um, we need to look we as Jesus followers need to look differently than the rest of the world. Our speech should be different than the people who aren't following Jesus. Um, as we mentioned before, we had a lot of high school students in and out of our home over the years, and um, a lot of them came from a, a home that had parents that didn't know Jesus and didn't have a relationship with him. And we would encourage those kids that um, they could influence those parents through their actions and reactions and, and their attitudes. And we did witness um, several kids who led their parents to Jesus over the years, and it just completely changed that family. So, so don't think, students, that you don't have that ability through Christ in you to impact your parents and to really make a difference in their lives. Um, as we continue on our journey with Jesus, we, we should grow and we should begin to look more like him and to talk more like him and to act more like him so that the people who don't yet know Jesus can see him in our lives. That's so tough for, for those of you um, students who are growing up um, in a family without parents who are Christians, and I, I get it. Um, I think it's really difficult uh, for kids to, to grow up and, and, and lead their parents uh, to a relationship with Jesus Christ, but, but I still think it's necessary. I still think it's an imperative, and I highly respect people, um, young students who are, who are trying to do that. But if you need someone in your life um, listen, if your father or mother, they don't know Jesus and they're not following him uh, the, the way that they should, then, then reach out to an older person. Man, reach out to somebody. Look, get somebody to disciple you. Get somebody to mentor you. Get somebody to meet with, um, you know, that, that you can uh, really glean information from. Corey said it just a couple of weeks ago. Um, young people need to be quiet and listen to those of us who are old. Actually, he actually said, Young people, you need to shut up long enough, you know, that um, you would listen to somebody from an older generation. Um, and I think that's really, really important, um, that we need to, to glean from someone who has more experience than we do. Like, kind of like me. Maybe you're like me. When I was 23 years old, you, you think you have the world by the tail. And listen, let me just tell you, you don't. You don't have the world by the tail. And you don't know everything. And you could actually learn some things from somebody who's been down, uh, down this road a lot longer than you have. And, uh, and actually, while I'm at it, I don't, I don't want to just rail on the younger generation. Older guys, hear me. Get out of your comfort zone and reach into the life, life or lives of someone younger than you. Make the time or effort. Take the time. Do whatever you have to do to meet with somebody, a cup of coffee, and, and just interact and get into the life of someone who's younger than you. They are not the enemy. They need you. So take time out of your schedule and make the effort. We need each other. That's why God created us uh, for community. And the same goes for, for young women as well. Um, 
One last thing, I guess, before we move on to this, this next area, I'll let you in on a little secret. If you don't know this already, young people, your parents are really not out to ruin your lives. We really aren't. We, I, I know sometimes it looks like we are, but we really just want what's best for you. I mean, we really do. And I understand this communication issue, you know, the thing we're talking about, be careful little lips what you, I understand it's difficult. And I understand that because of the generational gap, there's, you know, communication issues. But why don't we just this weekend, listen, just this weekend put to rest the fact that we are for each other. Okay, just, just let that be the underlying tone of your conversation with your parents. And parents, let that be the underlying tone with you uh, between your kids as well, that you're for them. Parents, speak life into your kids. Speak truth into your kids every day. Yes, instruct them, discipline them. For heaven's sakes, set boundaries for them and maintain them. They want them. Tammy mentioned earlier that we have set, the Lord sets boundaries for us in pleasant places. Those are really, really great things. You can't tell your kids every day that they're never going to amount to anything and expect them to, the, to be excellent or accept, expect them to excel at anything. We can't do that. Our words have too much meaning. They have too much effect. But students, you have to be willing to listen. <laughs> you have to be willing to accept it. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's so hard, but we have to be careful what comes out of our mouths. All righty then. So we've covered be careful little eyes what you see and be careful little lips what you say. So now we're going to move to be careful little feet where you go. Proverbs 8, 20 says, I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. And 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to take the prize. You see, both of these scriptures come from a, a place of intention, walking in the way of righteousness and running the race. Um, sometimes we um, find ourselves in situations of compromise and wonder how we got there. How did we end up in this spot? Um, and we set up boundaries for ourselves, and we think that, that we're going to not go that direction, and we end up in that direction. I, I don't know if all of you can relate to that, but I, I certainly can. Um, for example, I'm a chocolate lover. I'm a serious chocolate lover. And thankfully, I don't have an allergy to it. But if I did have an allergy to it, to the point that it would kill me, then I should stay away from chocolate. That's just an obvious thing. But what if... Even though I had an allergy to it, I decided to sneak into the, the chocolate shop once in a while and, and buy a little bit and nibble on it a little bit. And I began to hide a little stash in my car and hide a little stash at home, and I kind of started to sneak around with it. I started nibbling and nibbling and nibbling on it, and all my people in my life knew that I should stay away from chocolate because it's going to kill me. Yet I keep going back to the chocolate little by little, allowing it to consume me and to kill me um, to the point that I might even move to Hershey, Pennsylvania if I had the opportunity. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We guess little by little, it becomes a slippery slope and we begin to just go that direction instead of staying within the boundaries that we know God put for us that are pleasant. And all of a sudden we end up in a situation that that really seriously could kill us. So um, a, a scripture verse here 
is uh, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I no longer live for my desires, but I live for what he has planned for me because his plans are far greater than mine ever would have been. Um, you know, we've, we've been married a long time, and we started out on a path, the direction we thought we wanted to go, and had our dreams and our desires and our goals, and, and you know, asked God to be part of all of those things. And, and we went forward, and over the years, as we followed the Lord, we found his plans were so much different and so much bigger and so much more wonderful than what we had dreamed for ourselves. And, and he's true to his word. He promises us in his word that, that his plans for us are to give us a beautiful, bright future. Not to not to bring us harm, and and so we just have to rest in that 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 God will not lead us where He doesn't want us to go. Amen. So there's a story in Genesis, Genesis 39 of a man named Joseph. He was cornered by a woman who was literally throwing herself at him. She grabs him. She grabs him by the coat, and she says, "Come have sex with me." And this guy leaves his coat just kind of comes out of it, leaves his coat, and runs out of, it, out of there. If you are in a dating relationship, or you're in a spot where you've, Tammy just talked about, you put yourself in a situation where failure is probable, listen to me, sometimes you just have to run. Sometimes you just gotta get out of there. Even though there are times, even though maybe you're being careful like Joseph was, he found himself in a terrible situation so he ran. Guys, you just got to run because God has such a great plan for us. And young people, there's, such, there's a big return, maybe to some of us who are older, I, I'm noticing there's this big return to this courting uh, I, and you know, dating, courting. I don't care what you call it. It doesn't matter to me. But I, here's what I do know. This directive that we have to be holy is for all of us. We have a directive to be holy in our relationships all of them, we are supposed to be holy. You mean, Greg, like in my relationship with my girlfriend? I, yes. Re with my relationship with my boyfriend? Yes. Can you really have a holy and pure relationship with the opposite sex? My gracious, yes, you can. Why? Because it's a decision. Friends, it's a decision. We, whether you are a young person dating for the first time, or maybe you've dated a couple different people, or maybe you're back to dating because a relationship didn't work out, maybe you're older and you're, you're dating, you need to stop dating like you're married. We need to just stop dating like we're married, people. Because married people and dating people do things differently. They do different things. Listen, that's fine. Listen, don't, don't confuse passion and lust with love. They're different. They are distinctly different. And our sufficiency does not come when we finally find our mate. Our sufficiency comes in Jesus Christ. Our sufficiency is found in Jesus Christ and, it's, and in him alone. I, I understand the worldly influence uh, on all of these dating relationships, especially on young women and young men right now. It's, it's awful. It's, it's everywhere. But as Christians, we need to look differently we, our relationships, all of them, and even our dating relationships, need to look differently. Because commitment comes before intimacy. Did you hear what? Listen, commitment comes before intimacy. Here's some news that's really true and about to be really controversial. 
your mom was right. Now, yeah, mom's out there. I should have got this like eruption of applause. Your mom was right when she said, when she said to you, Greg, she, hopefully she didn't call you Greg. When she said to you, you need to stop hanging around those people because you're headed in the wrong direction, or you need to stop, stop hanging around that guy. He's not good for you. Or that girl is pointing you in the wrong direction. Listen, she was right. Whether or not she knew it, 1 Corinthians 15, says, bad company corrupts good character. That's truth, people. That's the word of God. That's not me. Show me your friends, and I will show you where you're headed. My small group was talking about this just this last week. We need to, we need to look at around with those, uh, at those with whom we associate because we're about to end up just like them. Like Tammy was saying with the chocolate analogy, guys, we cannot dabble in sin and it not affect us. Not gonna happen. Stop fooling yourself and understand if you're dabbling in sin, it's gonna affect you. It's gonna have a really, really adverse, and it will leave scars that will heal, but they will always be there. They will always be there. There's no such thing as just dabbling in sin. See, that's the catch. We're either in sin or we're not. And we need to live above sin and be careful with, who, with whom we spend our time because those with whom you spend the most amount of your time will have the greatest impact on your life. Here's the thing, honestly, with dating relationships, I've been in the ministry a long time. Um, <clears throat> I've, had, I've done tons of marriages, tons of premarital counseling, and I have never, ever had a couple come into me, into my, uh, my office and say, Greg, we just, wanna, we just wanna meet with you, get some premarital counseling, and get married, and <clears throat> you know, just see how it works out. In a year, if I still like him or I still like her, you know, we'll stay together. If not, I mean, I'll just find somebody new. Never had that happen before. Many of you are thinking, well, of course not. That's ridiculous. But that's exactly what happens 50% of the time. See, the divorce rate for secular people is really no different than for Christian people. So it happens all the time. And I can remember when divorce was somewhat of a scandal. And nowadays, it's not that big a deal. But listen, before you go running, kicking, and screaming out of here because Greg said, hey, divorce was a scandal, I know God can redeem anything. He can redeem absolutely anything. God's grace is greater than your worst sin because sin is sin. All sin is sin. But I believe that we've stepped into some, some of these relationships. Most times we get in them with an exit strategy. I mean, my goodness, what are we doing? Well, just in case this doesn't work out, I have this exit strategy. Guys, listen to me. Not just young people, all guys. Every guy and every gal, love is a decision. It is not something you fall into, therefore it cannot be something you fall out of. You don't look back on this relationship, you know, six or eight or 12 months into and go, oh my goodness, I don't know what happened. I must have fallen in love with you. That's ridiculous. You don't fall in love, you don't fall out of love. Stop using that language. We love because we make a decision to love. Each and every day, we decide to love this person a little bit more than we loved them the day before. You guys remember the movie, I don't remember the name, Renee Zellweger says to Tom Cruise, you had me at hello. Great line, ridiculously stupid. 
That's not possible. That's not possible. Love is a decision. And 1 Corinthians 13 gives us this great picture of what love is and what love isn't. And then Ephesians 5 gives this wonderful picture of what love is and isn't between a man and a woman who are married. Look it up later. You want to know what love is? That's what love is. Between you and me and each other and between a man and a woman who are married. All right. I have been on that soapbox long enough. So we all need to be careful where we go. I think sometimes we tend to blame God when we find ourselves in a situation that blows up in our face. We've you know, disregarded our roadblocks that we put into place or our boundaries, and we end up in a situation that the bottom falls out, and we look to God and go, God, what are you doing? Look where I am. How did I end up here? What did you do to me? And I think that God says back to us, I didn't have anything to do with that. That wasn't me at all. That was all you going the direction that you want to go. I was trying to get your attention to protect you from going that direction. So I think we need to be really careful um, about that, that, that we don't blame God for what we do on our own and the situations that we get our own selves into. So guys, we've really only covered three things today. Three very, very simple things, but really, I believe, practical things that you can put in your toolbox and put into practice today and help in all of your relationships. I, I, I also understand that nothing we shared was really earth-shattering. Probably, really nothing was even new. But I think we get some really good, solid takeaways, some good application See, God is interested in our whole person. We hear from the platform so often here that we need to be careful with what we watch. We have to stop compartmentalizing our lives and living one kind of life over here and one kind of life over here, and then our, we have our Jesus life over here. We have to stop compartmentalizing our lives and wondering why our relationship with Jesus is in the toilet. We talk about the word authenticity a lot around here. We, you can see it on your bulletin. You can see it on the walls out there. Authentic is, is not just a buzzword. It's just not a cool word that we put on those walls. We value that around here, and we need to be authentic in our lives and not separate our lives in so many ways. We've got to get to the point in our life, this for everybody, where sin just isn't an option anymore for the believer. Will we have slip-ups? Will we make mistakes? Yes, I understand that, and there's grace for those things. But listen, don't, make, don't allow sin to be an option. It's not an option for the believer. We need to create space for honest and open communication. Man, we, we have this ability in our words, not just to our students, and students not to your, just to your parents, but to your friends, to everybody you meet. We have this this great opportunity to, for honest and open communication and speak life and truth into people and to those around you. Your words have the opportunity to build others up, to encourage one another, to inspire one another, to bring great uh, encouragement and great healing, or your words have the opportunity to destroy. And then following Jesus is intentional. Man, it's kind of like Love is a decision, right? Love is a decision, and following Jesus is a decision. We can't continue to put ourselves in compromising situations and cry out to God to save us, or worse yet, blame him for the situation in which we find ourselves. We need to watch where we go. 
Now something specifically to the younger generation. Or those of you who are maybe dating again. Don't adapt to the world's standards. That's disastrous. Let's, let's set a new standard what dating should look like in holiness and impurity. Commitment comes before intimacy. And young people, honor your parents. Man, you, you, there is a way to honor your parents and not believe what they believe. It's tough to navigate, I'll give you that. But you can do it. They really want what's best for you. And Paul said to Timothy, he called him his son in the faith. Does that sound like a mentorship to you? Does that sound like somebody who's discipling someone younger? Paul said to Timothy, set an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. That's for you and me today. Not just for young people, that's for all of us. We need to set an example by the way we live our lives in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. We are so passionate about the family and I'm so passionate about men being men and taking their right roles and their leadership in the family and creating spiritual leadership and being the head of the home as Christ is the head of the church of which he is the savior. And men loving their wives as Christ loved the church and what and gave himself up for her. I long that our relationships would reflect the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Listen, if anything has <clears throat> just resonated with you this morning, there will be people on both sides of this stage up front, on my right and on my left. This is, this is a prayer team. These people love to pray with, with others. Would you allow them to rejoice with you if things are going well or to cry out to God with you if things aren't going so well? Man, they, they would love nothing more than to just pray with you. Or if you are rejoicing this morning or if you're broken this morning, if there's someone you need to pray for or maybe it's you, come let them pray for you. There's also communion all around you. Wherever there's a table with a lamp on it, there's communion. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that's all, that's all we believe it requires to take communion. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with him, feel free to take communion. Stop just for a moment before you leave this place and remember and reflect on what God has done for you. Father, I praise you and thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you made us for community. I thank you, God, for the institution of the family. Lord, I pray your blessings upon the marriages in this place. Pray your blessings upon the men in this place, God, both young and old, to step up and be the men that you have called us to be. God, glorify your name in the men and women of this community. And may we, Lord Jesus, impact Murfreesboro and beyond because of what you have done in and through our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. You can help yourself to communion.